All right, so we're, this is our second week of our series called Mind Games. And last week we talked about depression, and Jenny shared an awesome testimony with us, her story and everything she learned from that and how God worked in her life. And this week we're going to have something very similar. Um, but this week we're going to be talking about anxiety. But before we get into it, before we get into Hope's story, we have to go over some things about anxiety, right? Like there's a difference between anxiety and feeling anxious. There's a difference between those things because one, anxiety is a diagnosable condition. That means a doctor can tell you, you have anxiety. And then there's the temporary feeling of anxiousness. And everybody experiences anxiousness, right? Everybody gets nervous. Everybody gets fearful. Everybody gets stressed. That's a normal response to life, but not everybody has an anxiety disorder. And it's important to know the difference because one will be over in moments and one, it needs to be treated with a doctor in a plan. And so before we get into what God has to say about anxiety, we're just going to cover some of the markers, some of the ground rules, those kinds of things that has to do with anxiety. And, and the first thing we're going to talk about are the causes of anxiety. Um, some of the things that can cause anxiety are internal, things that happen inside of us. And this can be a chemical imbalance. So your body makes all kinds of hormones and chemicals and teenagers have a struggle with that, I've heard. And um, they're all over the place. It happens to all the best of us. Don't worry about it. And so your body though, it's a, like a perfect balance. Like you're trying to find that perfect level of each chemical and hormone and how they all interact with each other. And sometimes your body just doesn't make one as much as it should. Um, another thing can be fatigue, which is like the step past tired, right? Like everybody's tired at the end of the day. But if you're chronically tired, you're tired all the time, you might have something called fatigue. Another internal cause of anxiety is stress. Everybody experiences stress. You can call it feeling out of control, having a fear of failure, that crushing weight, that like, uh, you just feel stressed out. Another cause of anxiety is fear, being afraid feeling worried, feeling afraid of the future, of the things going on around us in the world. And then trauma. Trauma is a big one. Trauma is a big thing that can cause anxiety, whether you were bit by a dog or in a car accident or were abused in some way, that can cause you to have an anxious response to a situation or an anxiety response to something. And then there's untreated conditions, right? Stuff like ADHD, autism, um, depression, things like that, that can cause anxiety. And so this is why we're looking at these markers. This is why we're having a mature conversation about these kinds of things where we're not laughing and giggling because these are serious things. We're having this kind of conversation around these so that if you're experiencing something like this and you kind of get these markers and these red flags, you can talk to a professional about what you're experiencing and hopefully get the help that you need. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we, or another cause of anxiety, they can all be external causes as well. So from outside of us, things like busyness. We are so busy. Everybody I talk to, their schedule is packed full of activities, whether it's school and then 4-H or baseball or hunting season, or you're going to like, you have a job, you, you take care of your siblings. Everybody has their full day packed every single day. And being overly busy can cause you to feel anxious. And it leads you to have something called a lack of margin or a lack of space. We were not designed to be that busy. We were not designed to have no space in our life to think or breathe. Another thing, again, stress, but this time stress from outside things, not stress from within us, but stress from other people, other people, whether that's too high of expectations on us or too high of expectations we have on others, which could be untrue or true. It doesn't matter. 
Um, we could have the fear of other people's perception. What other people think of us? That could make us anxious. Um, not, we could not be getting enough rest. Again, not enough margin. Again, those kinds of things. An impending deadline, whether it has to do with school or work or sports or anything like that. Something big coming up that can stress you out, that can cause you to feel anxious. And then lastly is the enemy, right? The devil himself will cause you to feel anxious. His, his whole lot in life, his whole job is to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways he does that is to make you fearful and to make you worried and to make you anxious. And so those are the kind of the markers. Those are the things that you look for, the kind of the red flags. If you're starting to experience those things, maybe you start praying about what to do about those. Maybe you need to talk to somebody who can help you with those things. But when it comes to mental health and anxiety, we have to be careful of our words. We have to be careful of how we talk about these things um, and how we react to them. Because saying things like my anxiety or my depression adds a level of ownership to it that we don't want. Because the truth is, those are things that happen to you, but they're not who you are. They're not your identity. And so saying things like my anxiety is taking ownership over it. And the Bible says in Proverbs that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we can either speak life over ourselves, good things, positive things, things that God wants us to be, or he can speak death. Things like, I am depressed. I have depression. These are my things. And you can have those things and not claim them. The, the both can be true. And so we have to be careful of how we talk about anxiety and mental health at large, because if you don't have it, you likely don't understand it. And ignorance could lead to hurting someone who's just doing their best. And for that reason, I'm not going to stand up here and continue to talk about anxiety and my experience with it because it's very minimal. I've experienced anxious thoughts, but I don't have anxiety. But Hope has been so gracious and, and kind and loving to share her testimony with us about her journey through anxiety. And so what I need from you guys is to give her the biggest round of applause ever right now. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Because she's awesome, we love Hope, she's the best, and I need you to give her your best. So that means we're not talking to our neighbors, we're not laughing, we're not giggling, unless it's a joke, then you can laugh at the joke, right? <laughs> but we're gonna be engaged and we're gonna listen to her, so take it away, Hope. Okay, do you guys know that feeling where you just, you know something bad's about to happen? It's, yeah, it's that tight feeling in your chest, your stomach is in your throat, your knees are weak, your palms are sweaty, your arms feel like spaghetti, you, you guys, <laughs> You got it. You know the feeling, right? It's anxiety. Yeah. I get that feeling sometimes. I get that feeling a lot of the time. Y'all look, I have it right now a little bit. You see that shaking? <laughs> so, and the truth is I don't always handle it the best. Like, have you ever left your house and you just, you can't remember if you unplugged your straightener or turned your stove off? Your stove off? Yeah, I get that like every day with just about everything that I do. So this scenario I'm gonna lay out for you hasn't happened to me once or twice or a handful of times. It happens to me like every day with just about everything that I do. So it's a Monday morning and I am ready for work. I get in my car, I make it to the end of the street only to wonder, did I shut my garage door? Now, like any logical human, I'm not far from home so I turn around to go check. And yes, the garage door is shut. And now, because I know myself at this point, and I've developed some quirks, okay. quirks, um, I do what normal people do, and I get out my phone, and I take a picture of my shut garage door. My camera rolls super weird, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but I feel better, so I'm back on the road, and this time I make it a little farther. An entire song's played on the radio, and I'm a solid three blocks from home when the thought hits again. Did I shut my garage door? 
what if, hear me out, what if after I took that picture, I accidentally, without knowing, reached up to the roof of my car and held the garage door button for the full three seconds, took my finger off the button, the garage door opened, I didn't notice, and I pulled away. It could happen. It probably didn't happen. But if it did happen, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? My animals could get out of the house. They'd have to learn how to open the human door, but it could happen. Someone could break in. The door to the house is locked, but I don't know. Or my house might explode. I'm not sure what that has to do with the shut garage door, but I have convinced myself that that is what will happen. So I have to turn around and see. So I know I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about it. So I get back to my house, and you guessed it, it's still shut. And so time for my next little quirk. Um, I call my husband, and I have him chat with me as I pull out of the driveway. The garage door is shut. The garage door is shut. Garage door is shut. I tell him over and over and over again. He loves our morning talks, you guys, <laughs> until the house is out of sight. So I feel good. I'm getting on the interstate. I have a picture. My husband knows the garage door is shut. Except for, did I unplug the curling iron this morning? Do I have to go back and check? You bet I do. Does it matter that I haven't curled my hair in six months? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to go check. Because if I don't, the thoughts of the what-ifs are going to spiral in my head all day. And those thoughts are going to turn into a sick stomach and a racing heart until I break down and go home anyways. And the garage door is always shut. <laughs> is that ridiculous? Yeah, definitely. But... That's the hold that anxiety can have on a person, sending them in literal circles, stuck in a cycle, unable to get out. Now, I'm pretty sure that everyone deals with anxious thoughts on some level, but I want to make it clear that there is a difference between struggling with anxious thoughts and having an anxiety disorder. Neither are fun, but Anxiety disorders have suddenly become lumped in with normal everyday nervousness and stress, and the truth is it's just not quite the same thing. For example, you might wake up in the morning and be anxious about a math test, especially one you didn't study for. You know that your parents are gonna ground you if you fail, so you might feel sick to your stomach and your heart might race, but eventually you're able to move on. Honestly, you forget all about the test until second period comes around and it's time to get out your pencil. And then afterwards, you live your life again. Lunch comes. You walk to the Maverick with your friends. You get a soda and laugh about how you just should have studied last night instead of spending all of the night on TikTok, right? And yeah, you're bummed that you bombed that test, but it isn't the end of the world. It isn't all-consuming. Those are anxious thoughts. Having anxiety and anxiety disorder looks a little different. You can't move on from the thought. You're stuck in it. It cycles through over and over and over again, each time the outcomes in your head getting worse and worse until you've convinced yourself that not only are you going to fail that test, but you're going to flunk out of school. There's no logical reason for you to think that, but you do. And not only are your parents going to ground you, but they're going to kick you out of the house. Again, no reason to think that, but you do. 
And this time when lunch comes around, you don't spend it laughing with your friends because you're too busy playing out every scenario. And a lot of the time, I think that people say that they have or assume that they have an anxiety disorder, but really they're just stressed or going through a particularly hard time in their life. Your body needs some level of anxiety. It's a physical response to an outside stressor. It's that normal fight or flight, right? That's what um, keeps us from being eaten by bears. Um, <laughs> because you see a bear and your body says, oh no, that's a bear, I should run. That's healthy anxiety, you want that. Um, but it becomes a problem when you're stuck in that. You're constantly in that fight or flight mode, even if maybe there isn't actually that outside stressor to trigger it. All of a sudden, society has made having anxiety cool or trendy. Years ago, if you struggled with a mental illness, people weren't so kind about it. And something had to change so that people who were struggling with anxiety or depression didn't feel like outcasts, which is great. No one should be made to feel bad for that. But I think we swung the pendulum too far. Anxiety is being worn like a badge of honor that makes you different or unique. It's becoming your identity. You guys, anxiety is not fun. We shouldn't want that. It isn't cool or quirky, or trendy, it sucks. And it's not God's plan for us. God does not want us to be afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He does not want us to worry. Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He doesn't want us to make anxiety or identity, which I know, easier said than done. If it's true that God doesn't want us to live in anxiety, then what are we supposed to do about it? So I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder at 16. My sophomore year was miserable. I was so sick. I was waking up every morning so nauseous. I was throwing up every day, all day, and to top that off, I broke out in a terrible rash across my whole face, which um, as a teenage girl is exactly what you want, right? Yeah. I went to doctor upon doctor, and they ran all these tests. They drew blood. They shoved tubes down my throat. They put me in all these diets. For a while, I couldn't have caffeine or chocolate or pizza or the staples. <laughs> I tried tons of medications that just made things worse. Nothing was helping. But then a doctor sat me down, talked to me, and told me that maybe there wasn't anything wrong with my stomach. But maybe there was something wrong with the chemicals in my brain. I was dealing with an anxiety disorder. And since then, I feel like I've tried everything to get it to stop or to at least feel like I could manage the thoughts spiraling in my head. And before I lay out the steps that I've found helpful, I do want to be clear about something. There is nothing wrong with modern medicine. Please hear me when I say this. If a doctor diagnoses you with anxiety or depression and they prescribe you a medication, there's no shame in that. Sick people need medicine. However, there's a spiritual component to anxiety as well. And God wants, us to, wants to help us with our anxiety and with our anxious thoughts. So the first step, and... I know this is going to sound obvious, but please hang in there with me. 
It's to pray. The Bible's so clear about it. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Part of anxiety is being worried that you can't control a situation and then stressing about how you can bring it under your control. When you pray, you, you give it back to the only one who actually has any control over anything. Your burdens are not yours alone to carry. God wants to carry them for you. If we aren't praying and giving anxiety to God and instead holding on to it for ourselves, it's kind of the same thing as saying that we can control our situation better than God can. Do you hear how silly that sounds? So before anything else, go to God. Anxiety makes you feel isolated, alone, misunderstood. So bring in the only one who can truly understand exactly how you're feeling. And then we can manage anxiety by bringing someone else in to help combat that feeling of loneliness and isolation. God put people in our lives to support us and to encourage us. And sometimes it can be helpful to talk with someone who has gone through what you're currently struggling with. Please, this does not mean I want you to go to your best friend and just trauma dump on each other for hours because (laughs) y'all are just going to get more stuck in that unhealthy cycle of anxiety. However, if there's a trusted person in your life who can give you mature, spiritually guided advice, bring them in, have them listen, have them pray with you. Matthew 18, 20 tells us for where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. God wants us to partner with people in his name. This could be a parent that you know is going to hear you out, or maybe a teacher at school that you know you could trust, or a pastor or volunteer here at 4640. Maybe it's a counselor that's going to give you good godly advice. Please know that we are here for you. We want to listen We want to help, and we want to help you find those resources if you need them. Something else that's helped me in my journey with anxiety is to focus on something other than myself. So there's a line between a healthy distraction and ignoring your problems, or coping in an unhealthy way. But anxiety makes you feel stuck, so the best thing to do is get unstuck. So after you've brought your problems to God, after you've sought help, it's time to move forward. Don't allow yourself to get caught back up in those spiraling thoughts. Great distraction is to read your Bible. Scripture has so much to say about worry and anxiety. This is super cool. Fear not is actually the most repeated command in the Bible. It's said 365 times. That's once for every day in the year. So if that doesn't tell you how much God doesn't want us to live in worry or with anxiety, I don't know what does. To start with that, put more tools in your toolkit to fight the enemy that's using anxiety as a stronghold against your life. The Bible encourages us to know that God has our back. Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. We'll give you everything you need. Go to God. He has everything you need. Another healthy distraction, something to get out of your own head, could be to focus on someone else. Volunteer. Serve, help someone. Putting your thoughts and energy towards something productive can not only help you move forward in your thought life, but it feels good to help people. So it's a win-win. Anxiety is very me-focused. It's it's very internal. So to be able to start thinking outside of yourself helps break that cycle. Finding a healthy distraction is an important way in not choosing an unhealthy coping mechanism because When you have anxiety, you might feel 
desperate to try to get anything, to get your brain to stop focusing on that one thing for just a second. And take it from me, it's not worth it. It might feel like peace to shut your brain off for just a minute with drugs or alcohol. It might seem like you're not thinking about that one thing when you're playing video games for hours and hours. You might think that you have it all handled when you're out partying every weekend. But you're just pressing pause. You're just creating more problems for yourself later. I want you all to know that I'm not coming at any of this from a place of judgment or from a place where I'm pretending like I have it all figured out. When I say that I've tried just about everything to help with the anxiety I felt, I mean it. I've made some pretty bad choices in an attempt to shut my brain off for just a second. My journey with anxiety has been so hard, and just when I think I have it under control, I realize I don't. But that might need to be what I rest on. I don't have it under control. I don't have anything under control. But that's okay, because God does. So if there's one thing I could leave you with tonight, it would be this. God loves you. He's not mad at you. And you're not being punished. He wants more for you. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good not for disaster, give you a future, hope. Unfortunately, we live in an imperfect world. People get hurt, they get sick, but despite the world we live in, God wants us to live the full life that he has for us. He wants for us to grow. He wants for us to heal. So please ask for help. You're not alone. You are seen, you are so loved. Please know that you're not sinning by having a mental illness. And I want to take a moment to tell you that if, if anyone has made you feel like you have anxiety or depression because you're not enough, because you didn't pray hard enough, you didn't spend enough time with God, you just messed up too many times, I am so sorry. That's not the truth. The reality is Jesus loves you. He is with you. And all he needs from you is to trust him. We mentioned a verse earlier, First um, Peter 5, 7, says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And when we read that in the Bible, it seems like this big, broad statement, right? This big brush over everybody who's ever read the Bible. God cares for you, but, but he also means it individually. He means it about you. And he means it about you. He wants you to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so God is saying, throw your anxieties on me. Throw your cares, your worries on me. Place them upon me. That, that word cast means to throw upon or to place upon. So to take that thing, that worry, that anxiety, that, almost that cloak, that heaviness, to take it off yourself and to put it on Jesus because we can't withstand the weight of the world. But you know who can? the one who created it. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself can, can withstand the weight of that world. So, so what is it? What is it that you're worried about? Whether it's anxious thoughts or an anxiety disorder or, or, or depression, whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, I want you to just take a moment. Everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. Just take a moment and think about what, what is it? 
Are your parents going through a divorce? Do you feel worthless? Do you feel like nobody sees you or cares about you? Do you feel like you're not enough? Do you just feel so tired? You don't know if you can keep going? In Matthew eleven thirty eight, 38, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary, all who are broken, and I will give you rest. I will give you living water. But we have to make an exchange with him. We have to take the things that we're holding on to, the things that are causing us pain, and we have to give them to him. And he doesn't want to take them from us in a, in a malicious way. He doesn't want to take them from us because we're not good enough or we're not strong enough. He wants to take them from us because he cares about us and we're not strong enough to hold those things. Because Jesus so deeply and madly cares about you and loves you. And so he wants to take your worry about your parents' divorce. He wants to take your worry about your mom. He wants to take your worry about yourself. And he wants to replace that with peace, with love, with joy. And so maybe you're sitting here right now and, and you're not really sure what's going on. This is your first time here. Or you're, maybe, you're even thinking like, who is Jesus? I don't, I don't know anything about that. I wanna invite you right now. Um, just take a moment and consider having a relationship with him. Because I promise you, even if your life is the best it's ever been right now, if you don't know Jesus, it's not as good as it could be. And knowing Jesus doesn't make life easy. It doesn't take away all of our problems. It doesn't make the, the road paved with gold and easy, but it gives us hope. It gives us a way to, to survive. It gives us somebody who, who paid the price for all of those broken and hurting and, and dark things in our lives and says, hey, Think about it through my eyes. I want to help you. I want to take the weight of that. I want to walk you through that. I want, to, I want to give you a home in heaven forever. I want to give you something to live for on the outside of this. And so if that's you, I want you to just consider. I'm not going to make you do anything right now. I'm not going to make you say anything, stand up in front of everybody and, and say this crazy prayer, but I want you to think about it. I want you to count the cost. What do you have to lose? And for those of you who have been here every week for years, and you're sitting here thinking, yeah, but I'm still struggling with the same thing. I'm still going through the same thing right now. I want you to consider as well. I want you to count the cost as well. And think about, have you truly given it to him? Or, or have you... Have you given it to him in the moment because it felt right? Or are you given it to him in the moment in a worship set because you, you felt the emotion of what was going on, but, but as soon as you left here, you picked it right back up. And there's no guilt, there's no shame. We all do it. We all go back to those things. We all struggle with it. And that's the beauty of what Jesus did for us on the cross is we get free pass to come back over and over again. So I just wanna pray for you right now. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you died on the cross to give us that freedom, 
to come back to you with our brokenness, to come back to you with our anxiousness, to come back to you with that depression, with that anxiety, with whatever mental illness or disorder or, or brokenness in our bodies, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, all of those things are because of this fallen world. But God, you died on the cross so that this fallen world gets put through the cross and dead things come back to life. So you bring us back to life, God. All things are perfected in you. And we thank you for that. God, I, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would heal hearts in this room right now. Everybody who can hear my voice right now would experience your healing and your goodness and your peace that you have gone and you made a way before all of us. And we thank you for that. Help us to never take that for granted, God. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media or our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and we hope to see you there.